you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, host of Air Talk on KPCC. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on Air Talk devoted to the latest information about COVID-19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who will be sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at las.com kpcc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. We begin with the very latest on COVID-19 with us emergency medicine specialist from Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in L.A., co-chair of the Department of ER, uh, Dr. Sam Torbati. Dr. Torbati, welcome back to AirTalk. Thank you so much, and good morning to you. So, uh, how are things looking at Cedars right now with uh, patients there who have covid Better things are uh, continuing to improve. The um, the number of cases that are walking through the door are reducing, similar to what's uh, being reported at the at the county level and state level. The uh, COVID uh, prevalence is reducing, and Omicron appears to be continuing to uh, decline. And it's uh, helping us. It's also reducing our inpatient. Uh, volume of uh, COVID cases as many of those patients get better and hopefully get to go home. So we're we're in a much better place now than we were in weeks past. Is it your sense that uh, the employees at the hospital um, are are feeling some sense of relief after going through the surge that they did? Oh, absolutely. It's um, it, it, there's a there's a sense of spring in the air already. <laughs> the heat helps, I'm sure. <laughs> it, it helps that the weather is so nice uh, this week. Also, it, it's nice and warm and spring-like. But uh, yeah, the uh, the mood is great. It's it's great to see less patients suffering from COVID nineteen, and allows us to um, focus on everything else that that we need to focus on, all the other diseases. And now we actually have to catch up. There were so many patients and so many procedures that were pushed back. Uh, because of decisions to create capacity for COVID patients, now we need to take care of all those patients. About 20 minutes ago, we got word that uh, the governor of Nevada is immediately lifting their requirement for people to wear masks indoors. Uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, most of those counties have said next week that they're going to lift their orders. State of California lifting it, uh, allowing local jurisdictions to decide what they want to do. Uh, it will continue here in Los Angeles County until uh, the rate of hospitalization drops further. Your thoughts on so many parts of the country dropping the mask requirements. Do you think we're at that time? I, I think um, I think we're getting there. And what we have appreciated is that, you know, COVID-19 affects different parts of the country in different ways. And so having a single policy that 
governs the entire country doesn't make sense. A single policy around masks that governs entire state doesn't make sense either. There's patchiness to how this disease acts out. And uh, managing this at a more local level, at a county level, definitely makes a lot more sense. You'd hate to be too relaxed or too strict, and you really do need to customize to what's happening in that particular area to make sure it makes sense. We're at 866-893-KPCC for you to ask questions of emergency medicine specialist Dr. Sam Torbati of Cedars-Sinai. We're also available to answer your questions at the email address atcomments at kpcc.org. Please include your location along with your first name. Melissa in Woodland Hills emailed us, said my first vaccination was with J&J. Six months later, I got the two-shot series of Moderna, even though it wasn't yet recommended. I consider myself boosted, though that doesn't show up in my vaccine card, as I have two separate cards. I would think I'm not the only one who has done this. Um, I don't know if there's a question or Melissa, I guess, just sharing her experience. But um, I think there is an opportunity to merge the results on the two different cards with the um, My Vaccine State of California site. Is that your understanding, Dr. Torbati? I thought so, too. And uh, I I think we are going to see a lot of cases just like Melissa's where there was crossover between the different vaccines. So I would definitely look into it. And she's definitely well protected. So good for her. Yeah. Diane in West L.A. wonders what percentage of people hospitalized with COVID are unvaccinated? So the the answer um, for this for this last wave the, of, of Omicron that came through, uh, depending on the region that you look at, you know, upwards of, you know, 60 to 80 percent were either unvaccinated or undervaccinated. And there was a small percentage that were vaccinated but suffered from other conditions that made their immune system very weak that didn't allow them to respond to vaccines. Um, the data that came out you know, before we went through Omicron and after Omicron continued to show very, very strong supporting evidence for the protective effects of the um, COVID vaccines, especially the boosters. And as, as I'm sure you've talked about this and, and discussed and your audience has read, these, these vaccines are so powerful in terms of protecting patients from developing severe disease and landing in the hospital. And we're so blessed to, to, to have had access to them at this point in the pandemic. It really helped get us through Omicron. Uh, if, if it wasn't for vaccines, uh, I, I can't imagine where we would be. I'm wondering for those who died uh, with COVID at at Cedars who were fully vaccinated um, and boosted, if those were cases where people were very frail physically and COVID tipped them over the edge, so to speak. Yes, COVID in general um, causes the greatest amount of mortality in patients that are extremely frail, extremely um, ill with other comorbidities, and they tend to be much, much older. And so um, younger patients do much better with this disease. Middle-aged patients who are vaccinated do much better. And um, the the focus, uh, I imagine, going forward is going to be 
continuously on people with high risk for comorbidities. So those are people who are older, people who have cardiovascular disease, obesity, underlying chronic heart, lung, kidney, and liver disease. And then there's a lot of patients whose immune system is weak because of either underlying disease or medications that are used to treat them. So there's going to be continuous focus on keeping them healthy as well. All right, we have another question. Susan in Highland Park emailed us, I have lymphoma, and when I got my two Moderna vaccines, my antibody titers went over 1,700 twice, about six months apart. My doctor suggested I not get the booster since my immune system may be regulated. Uh, I'd be happy to get it, but I'm not sure. Is it safe? Um, again, not, not knowing the, the fine details of, of Susan's history, I, I'd hate to um, make a comment, um, you know, especially to contradict her physician. Yeah. But in general, um, we don't use antibody titers um, to specifically recommend against um, vaccines or boosters. So um, she certainly sounds like she would qualify for them, and I would, you know, have the discussion. It's, you know, if there's a particular significant issue that came up with the vaccine that gave Susan a side effect or there was a significant concern, that may change the equation. But in general, boosters are, are strongly recommended. John in Fullerton emailed us, uh, I was wondering about Evershield, which I received last month. How does the level of protection compare uh, to a fully vaxxed and boosted person? So Evershield is an incredible um, new therapy that's available. It's, um, it's provided to patients who... Um, either can't get vaccine because of severe anaphylaxis or in patients where their immune system, because of underlying uh, conditions or medications, will not develop any kind of a uh, response to vaccines. They don't develop any kind of a immune response. So Evyshelb is used as a um, pre-exposure prophylaxis for that very high-risk group where they have zero protection, they have no immune response and, and protection in case they get infected. And the data suggests that a single therapy with every shelf gives them protection for six months. We're talking with Cedar sinai Medical Center Emergency Medicine Specialist, Dr. Sam Torbati. He co-chairs emergency medicine at Cedars of the Los Angeles Times, reporting that Los Angeles County has now dropped below 2,500 uh, patients who are hospitalized with COVID-19, that that puts our region on track to potentially relax some outdoor masking rules next week. will not be in time for the Super Bowl on Sunday, uh, and uh, should the virus hospitalizations remain under this threshold for seven consecutive days, county health officials will lift mask requirements at outdoor mega events, which includes uh, SoFi Stadium, the L.A. Memorial Coliseum, Hollywood Bowl, Dodger Stadium, etc. Also, outdoor spaces at K-12 schools and in child care settings. So, Dr. 
Dr. Torbati, it sounds like that could come as soon as next week if if the trend holds, which at this point there would be nothing you would think would be immediately interfering with that. So um, that would seem to be good news. Yeah, good news. We just need seven consecutive days under uh, 2,500. And uh, it could continue to allow county officials to be, to feel more and more comfortable relaxing uh, these mandates. It's very good news. All right. 866-893-KPECC, or you can email us at atcomments at kpecc.org. Uh, we have Rita in Canoga Park who said, My grandson contracted COVID a month ago. He recovered three weeks ago. He was recently exposed in school, hasn't gotten sick again. I'm 72. Is it okay for me to be around him now? Uh, yeah, your your grandson, Rita, is um, is what we would consider basically, you know, COVID recovered and generally patients who've had COVID, uh, they have, they're protected against future infections for at least 90 days, um, perhaps even longer. So you're in, you're in good shape. Mike in Altadena tweeted at AirTalk, I'll be the only unvaccinated person attending a Super Bowl party Sunday with about 20 others. Should I have any reason to be concerned about contracting COVID? And if so, why? Well, there, you know, although uh, Omicron appears to be on its way out, it's still here. It has, it's not totally gone. So there's still disease in the community, Michael. And if you're not vaccinated, um, might be a good idea to maintain some space and even wear a mask if that's something you can tolerate. That would make things safer because you just don't know who may be sick and who may be an asymptomatic carrier. And with Omicron being so contagious, if you're around them long enough, you may you may catch it. Uh, you know, one of the things we hear from young and healthy people is, well, you know, if I get Omicron, Um, I'll likely be asymptomatic or I won't have um, a serious illness as a result of it. But uh, here's a large study uh, from uh, Scripps uh, Research in San Diego County that calls that, uh, that thinking into question. This study assesses cardiovascular outcomes a year after someone has been infected with SARS-CoV-2. And in the analysis of more than 11 million U.S. veterans' health records, researchers found the risk of 20 different heart and vessel maladies was substantially increased in those who had had COVID-19 a year earlier compared with those who didn't. The risk rose with severity of initial disease and extended to every outcome the team examined, including heart attacks, arrhythmias, strokes, cardiac arrest, and more. Even people who never went to the hospital had more cardiovascular disease than those who were never infected. Eric Topol, a cardiologist at Scripps Research, said the results are stunning, worse than I expected, for sure. It's published in Nature Medicine in that journal. Dr. Torbati, your thoughts about uh, the findings here? Well, you know, as I reviewed it, I, uh, I was also quite impressed. Um, but a part of me wasn't very surprised. We had some earlier um, data coming out of Israel, sort of, sort of uh, pointing that this was going to happen that people who had COVID, even when they survived it, they had increased risk of all sorts of cardiovascular illness. This study is the largest one where they looked at um, uh, patients at the VA 
And um, when when looking at what happened to survivors of COVID, even if they were minimally symptomatic, this the profound increased risk for these 20 domains of cardiovascular disease is actually quite impressive. And again, it's a little to um, not completely unexpected because we knew from other viruses, such as influenza, that if you have it, your risk of heart attack and stroke does go up. But we just didn't expect this dramatic of an effect. And this really makes us wonder as to what's going to happen to cardiovascular disease rates in the next five to 10 years, where it's possible that all those folks who, who, who recovered from COVID now all of a sudden are going to have terrible progression of cardiovascular disease, and those rates can, can become a huge issue for us. This is surprising and concerning. Dr. Tabati, thank you for being with us again today and answering listener questions and talking about the very latest developments in COVID-19. Thank you, sir. Have a terrific rest of the week, and we'll look forward to talking with you again soon. Great talking to you, Larry. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in LA. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at las.com kpcc.org or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.